0: Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, Word-based and Spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonholm and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. It's amazing that the book of Ruth that we have been teaching, who's enjoyed Pastor Brad's teaching series on Ruth. Can we give Pastor Brad a hand? He is the world's best Bible teacher. Um, My daily habit on a Sunday is um, enjoy St Andrews, have an amazing couple of services over there and then jump in my car, plug in the Apple Play and listen to what's happened at Sutherland. And I love it and I stay on top of what's going on. But this book that we've been teaching from was actually read in the Harvest Festival or the Feast of Weeks, as it was called in the Old Testament. And that actually was the backdrop to the day of Pentecost historically, right? They were all celebrating this Harvest Festival. And don't you think that that is so apt that Ruth would be read at that? A book that is about inclusion, a book that is about all people knowing the love of Jesus Christ, no matter where they are, what they're doing, what bitterness their life has tasted. Um, No matter whether they're a woman or young, a male, an old, whatever they are, the Spirit wants to come and touch their lives. So I just think it's really intriguing um, that that would be read as part of the celebration of the Feast of Weeks, that that Ruth would be shared and and really um, imparted to these people year after year to prepare them actually for the ultimate harvest, which was the outpouring of the Spirit. And it's from there, the day of Pentecost, that literally the church is unstoppable. Do you know you're unstoppable? No one can put you down. Lockdowns can't put the church down. Separation and 1.5 meters distance can't put the church down. Masks can't put the church down because the church is driven by the Holy Spirit. The church is a work of the Spirit. Do you know that what is happening at Horizon? We're good, but we ain't that good, right? We are. We've got amazing Beck. Pun is good, but she needs the Spirit of God, right? You need the Spirit of God. And Ruth, while it's an Old Testament book, is a work of the Spirit. The the great providence of God that it looks like we're planning. But really, all along, we are walking in a work of the Spirit. We think we've got such a tight control on things, don't we? Well, I've got news for you this morning. In the best possible way, in the most restful and encouraging possible way, you don't have control. You are out of control and loving it. Who's loving it? Who's loving being out of control? All right, let's get into it. I love a little recap. I was an English teacher, English history teacher before I was a pastor and I love a little recap because the students always forget, right? Not you guys though. Chapter one, (laughs) Um, we know that Naomi, the key character of this, yes, it's Ruth and Boaz. Yes, all of that, but really Naomi is beginning and we'll see she's in the end as well. Um, But Naomi is bitter, Maybe you have been there that life has just served up a whole bunch of doggy doo-doo, right? And you are bitter, it's unfair. There's no fairness in it for Naomi. um, Maybe, we don't know why she, she found herself in Moab. Maybe she was dragged. Maybe she was part of the scheming. Who knows? But for whatever reason, she just had tasted death and loss. And she says, don't call me Naomi anymore. That means sweet. You call me Mara because my life sucks. It is bitter. I have swallowed a bitter pill, But she makes in that bitterness, one of the best decisions she could make and that is to turn around and go home. Who knows, sometimes just going home, going back to the safety of what you knew, going back to safe people, going back sometimes is the best decision. And we see that, the community of God that she goes back to, instead of judging her, actually embraces her. In fact, it says there's a stirring in the place. There is a stirring, there is a sense of joy that something good is about to happen. And it just so happens that it's at Bali Festival. It's springtime. There is the promise of new beginnings. I bet you she didn't feel like that. I bet you she's just like, look, we may just need to live out our days in poverty and just cope with life. But probably better that we go back home to do that than be in an unfamiliar place. Well, it moves on to chapter 2. And I like to call chapter 2, life in the field. And I preached this message to youth um, some time ago, that your life in God's field is all you need. It just so happens that these two women find themselves in a field, just as it would happen, I think the Bible says. It's just, the Bible is just full of these, just as it would happen, these Coincidences, seeming coincidences, but really undergirding it all is the provision and the providence and the kindness of God. And they're in the field and there's protection in the field. So she could have been reaping in another field and found herself molested, abused or raped. That is the reality of the poor, right? Um, Oftentimes they're vulnerable. Um, You know, people talk about COVID and the fact that, you know, we're all in the same boat. Well, kind of, yes, On one level, um, we're all in the same sea, but we're on a different kind of boat coping with what's going on. And the poor are often the most vulnerable. And God calls on a Boaz to be a Christ-like character. I need you to protect this woman, provide for her, be the providence in the field. Life in the field is all you need. You may feel like that field is lacking sometimes, bit boring, bit lacklustre, but that field, field is all you need to be in God's field. All the provision is found there. You shall not want. He will make you lie down in that field. It's all you need. Well, this week the drama heats up. <laughs> and a somewhat strange twist happens in the story. <laughs> and really, um, They've been engaging in the field and that is, that is fantastic. And she's been taking home barley and that's been great. Who likes a bit of barley in their soup? I make a great chicken soup from scratch, stock and all, put the barley in. It's fantastic. You can have some this winter if you like. But suddenly barley doesn't look like the ultimate provision. Um, they start to see that maybe there is something we can do to secure our ultimate destiny maybe there is something that god is opening up for us it's way beyond barley because in that field though these women had tasted of the grace available under Boaz's covering. These women had tasted and seen that this man is a provider, that this man is noble and righteous, that this man has the welfare of his workers at heart. And maybe, just maybe, we need to plan for something much more ultimate than a bit of gleanings in this field. Well, Naomi becomes the world's best matchmaker has anyone been a matchmaker i like to pride myself on this maybe it's a mixture of my prophetic insight and good observation skills if you're looking come to me i will help you find now look i'm all about the matchmaking i'm not about control by the way just a little caveat there because really people need to choose and in our culture we don't tend to arrange marriages and i i think Arranged marriages are actually super effective in many cases. It's the people that know you best and wanna make the best decisions unclouded by emotion and hormones, right? And they work out so much of the time. We've got some of them at St Andrews and they're beautiful couples. Um, But I'm all about godly people praying in a partner for you and recommending who they think would actually really work for you, would be a good suggestion for you. Well, Naomi does become a matchmaker and it's on the basis though of she as a woman of God has made observation about an outpouring of grace that literally she notices that there is a little something, something going on between these two. Can't quite put my finger on it, but I think He's into her. I think He has been working so hard to win her heart. He has been wooing her. He has been filling her sack with barley. He has been protecting her. And he, in the most subtle and proprietous possible way, has been making his love and care known to this lady under her care. Well, she says, Ruth... The time has come. Now, P.S., I'm reading between the lines here in the Bible, A little bit of creative licence, give me some literary licence. I reckon there might have been some conversations going on in their home. Maybe Ruth is coming home and saying, Naomi, it just feels right there. Naomi, it, 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 mother, I, it just, there is something about that guy. He's a bit older and it doesn't make sense on so many levels, but there is something about the care and protection of this man that is softening my heart to him, that is drawing me to him. So she says to Ruth, let me use my wisdom. You are uninitiated in this culture. You're uninitiated in these, the, 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 the shape of things here. Let me show you. What I want you to do is go and get that hot little number I bought you last festival and put it on, girl. Make sure it's iron, steam it. Don't get lazy. Don't cut the corners. Steam it. That's my husband. Make sure you steam your T-shirt. Don't be a bogan. Gets the steamer out, turns it on for me. Babe, it's under my jacket. No, steam it. <laughs> keeps me looking schmick. She's like go and get my Chanel number no. 5 out. You can use it on this occasion, very special occasion, go and douse not too much, subtle. Not the tramp, the lady. Okay? Just a little bit, little bit. And put yourself in his world. This is what you're going to do. You're going to insert yourself into his world in this way. I want you to go. She knows that this guy is in barley season and he's going to be working night and day, harvesting in the daytime, threshing the wheat in the nighttime because they didn't have the machinery back then. And he is going to be working and he's going to be very late at night having dinner something to drink, and then he's going to go to bed, a very happy and fulfilled man, and you are just going to insert yourself into his world. But listen to this. She says, And he will tell you what to do. You make room for him, and he will tell you what to do. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to, Holy Spirit. You will tell us what to do. We just need to make the room. Can I just say, though, it's a confusing plan on one level. I'm like, am I missing some cultural relevance here? And I've honestly been pondering this for a long time. I love the Book of Ruth. I've been in it many times. I can remember being on the train to uni and pondering. This is preposterous. Like, what on earth? Like, this is actually a little bit seedy at first glance. It's a bit improprietous on the face of it right? But the statement, He will tell you what to do, gives me enough of a hint that there is providence at work and if she risks all, He will respond. He will be waiting to catch her that there is something at work here that is beyond what meets the eye. There is a subtlety in the interaction that has been going on that Naomi had eyes to see and she set it up for Boaz to do what he would want to do in the situation to look after. It's a curious plan. There's a delicate interaction. I like to see it as the pre-dating phase, just FYI. A little bit of something, something after youth. The conversation goes on a bit longer. The eyes meet. He says you'd be great together. Oh, that's a confirmation. Um, She starts to wear her nicer clothes to youth. I noticed these things. I watched the St. Andrew's photos and I watched the girls that do their hair for youth on Friday night. I'm like, oh yeah, who's the boy? No, it's a bit cheeky, it's a bit cheeky. (laughs) He'd already wooed her. That's the truth of the matter. He had been wooing her in the field, but he was older. There was not much he could do to be too forthright. He had to be delicate. Isn't the Holy Spirit delicate with us? Sweet whispers, sweet corrections, an idea that you think is your own. One of the things I've been battling with at times is the Holy Spirit's so familiar to me. I'm like, I think it's me that came up with that idea. And it's like, just be humble and realise you're not that good. You didn't come up with plans like that. But Ruth, in stepping out in response to his drawing... His wooing in the field, his provision, the observation of his noble character, the fact that he would linger a little bit longer around her. She actually had to, in responding to it, because there is always a response. When Andrew asked me out, when people told me you'd be really good, when Lloyd says to fee, he's the kind of guy I can really see Christy with. <laughs> um, I had to respond because He can do all the loving in the world and all the wooing in the world and all the grace showered upon grace and generosity. But there's a choice to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and it does involve risk. She had to trust that He would not drive her away. Like, I'm a noble man, what are you doing? Get out of my bed. You're gonna make me look bad. She had to trust that he was mature enough not to drive her away, that he on, really honestly would not take advantage of her sexually because he was a single man, older, and here is this hot babe at the end of the bed. She had to trust that he has the character not to use and abuse me because of the opportunity. He'd been having a bit to drink, been having a jolly time at Harvest Festival, but do I trust? that this man of character will not take advantage of me in the right way. And then finally, she actually had to trust that he was the kinsman redeemer. He was the guardian redeemer. He was the one that had the power to do it. Will he do it in the right way? Will he know how to take me in? Will he know the steps? Because I know to lay at his feet. I know to lay my life at his feet. I know to just come to him. I have to take the leap of faith and go, will He be there to catch me? Will He then, like Naomi said, He will know what to do. Will He know what to do? Do do I really trust that He'll know what to do? Do, Can I step back from control in this? Or, Or do I have to micromanage it? because this is my life at stake. This is my reputation. What will, what will my colleagues think if I come to know Jesus? What, what, will that, what will my family who is Hindu and I've seen this, what will they think if I know I, He's been wooing me, I know He's real, but the final move is me. And I don't know if I can let go of control. Well, let's see what Ruth does. Ruth chapter 3, 7 to 11 says, When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and laid down. She did exactly what Naomi said. She trusted. She took the leap of faith. Ruth approached quietly In the middle of the night, something startled the man. I like to think angel's wings, but, you know, that's probably taking it too far. Stop it. (laughs) I can hear the brush of angel's wings. Whoa, I'm awake. Oh, hello. Right? No, okay, too far. (laughs) Startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked, I am your servant. Remember, it's dark. We're, don't think 21st century. There's probably not even candlelight. They're all asleep. They're see- he's seeing a silhouette. Who are you? He asked, I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me. Since you are a guardian redeemer of our family, save me. I come to you. I'm at your feet. Would you save me? The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You've not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor, and now my daughter. So you've not run after lesser things. You've not run after things that you think will satisfy, a bit of six pack here, a bit of money over here, a bit of good times in the field. He's like, no. You have looked to the one thing that can be the ultimate satisfaction for you. And now my daughter, don't be afraid. He catches her. I will do for you all that you ask. All the people of my town know that you're a woman of noble character. This is deep calls unto deep. He is noble. She is noble. They've observed each other. The Holy Spirit's been working something between them. And she lays herself at His feet. And He sees her and she sees Him and God is up to something. In her risking all, in her letting go of the control and jumping out, in her laying her destiny at His feet, He meets her in that moment and He covers her. This is the tension of God's goodness and grace toward you that He woos you with His goodness through friends that know the Lord Jesus Christ. He woos you with His kindness. You experience His presence in the worship. You're in your car having a tough day and you feel the kiss and the kindness, the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. You feel Him. But... He gives you in His grace, a gift of faith. Even that is given by the way, even that is given, but you get to decide what you do with that gift of grace. Will I respond to His grace with His gift of faith that He's put in me? Will I risk the biscuit? Will I let go of control enough that He can come in, take control, redeem me and turn my life around? This is so much more than the gleanings of barley. That was just the beginning. God, I reckon, puts a breadcrumb trail (laughs) of barley sometimes for us. You know, hey, just come, follow me. I'm good, I'm kind. Now come to the banquet table, now give control because I've got something so much more ultimate for you than a couple of heads of barley. He'd already shown that He would cover. He'd already shown that if she leaned in, He had something more for her. She had to respond to His love and place herself under His covering. It's really interesting. The Bible is so subtle. So many of the narrative books, the historical books are subtle or subtler, if you like. Uh, Not really, (laughs) just making that up. (laughs) Ruth 2, 10 to 12 says, She asked Him, Why have I found such favour in your eyes? This is going back that you would notice me, a foreigner, like what is giving you eyes for me, (laughs) right? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law. By the way, word gets around about your character, how you treat people that don't matter much to anybody else. You know, it is amazing the people that have found partners because their eyes have been opened because of secret things that said, she's a good woman, she's kind, she doesn't gossip, she doesn't get stuck into people behind their backs. That guy, is, he's kind, even when people don't see, he's gracious and kind to people that don't matter to others. Being told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and your mother and your homeland and you came to live with a people you didn't know before. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you've taken refuge. He sows a little seed in Ruth because he sees the connection between being in his field, Boaz's field, and being in God's care. He's saying, hey... This field is God's care of you. Maybe it could be ultimate care. You're under the wings of the Almighty. She discerned the heart of Boaz correctly. She discerned that maybe He has more in mind. Maybe if I take the leap of faith, He's put enough of a demonstration in me of His grace that maybe He will catch me and cover me. She discerned, she discerned it correctly and it galvanised him on the basis of her faith to redeem her. Boaz was galvanised to act. He says to her in Ruth 3.13, stay here for the night and in the morning, if the other kinsmen redeem because there was another one who was first in line, if he wants to do it, so he follows good process. Maybe it's going to a father to ask for a hand in marriage. Maybe it's actually doing it well, doing a dating season well. Maybe it's actually the way you speak in honour of family members that brings it to the most honourable outcome. If he wants to do this duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. I reckon secretly in his heart he just knew. God was just saying this is how it's going to land. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives... I will do it. God will do it. Won't He do it? He will do it for you. He covers her. He preserves her dignity. He sends her home with much food. He says, hey, open up your sack. I'm going to take you and give you food while you're waiting. I'm gonna sustain you even while this process is going on. And He sends her home with much food and He goes about the right path of redeeming her and He redeems her. Thank God she is redeemed. And their lives, Naomi and Ruth, are turned around. Interesting side story, the other man that was the potential redeemer was happy to take the field, but didn't wanna take the woman. So he, he he actually missed out on the real treasure of this because Boaz is like, I'll take the field, the belongings of Elimelech and Chilion and Marlon, but I am taking the real treasure, which is Ruth. Maybe he had been longing for this. Maybe he'd been saying in his heart, I've seen her, there is something about her that is captivating. Her voice is sweet and her face is lovely. Would you come to me, Rupert? He's like, I, I need to maintain my dignity. I'm older, she's younger. There, There is natural reasons why this is probably, I need to be so delicate about this. God, if you're in it, there'll be a way. He redeems her. The other Redeemer couldn't see the value, the, the pearl of great price, right? Boaz could. Well, they get married and Ruth begins to experience when she takes the risk and he catches her in his arms that are broad enough to save her. His arm is not too short that it can't save you. His arm can reach you wherever you are. She comes into covenant, the marriage covenant with Boaz and she Begins, because it's just the beginning of a life that is completely and utterly turned around. There is a reward for coming to Jesus. There is something, you know, far from being something that actually takes from your life and makes your life boring and contained. Do you know life in covenant is the most fruitful life you will ever experience? It's so interesting. She's married in Moab to one of Naomi's sons and they're there for 10 years. And in that 10 years, she cannot conceive. In 10 years, there is no offspring for her. And in that culture, we know it's seen as a certain state of life. And and if you're going through that struggle, please do not read into this. But there is a symbolism in this. There is no fruitfulness in that place for her. But it's amazing that literally, the minute she comes into covenant relationship, she conceives and gives birth. Ruth 4 says, in fact, they prophesy over her when, he, when He's at the city gates making the arrangements. Then the elders and all the people at the gates said, "'We are witnesses. "'May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home "'like Rachel and Leah, "'who together built up the family of Israel.'" Well, lo and behold, that prophecy came to pass because Obed is born and if the keys could come up, that'd be great. And he, of course we find out is in the lineage of Jesus Christ, under His covering, under His covenant, you'll be fruitful. Under His covenant and covering, you will forget the barrenness of your former years. You know, you are a single barren woman, you who never gave birth because there's a lot of children coming for you. You know, you will forget the pain of your former years. All of that when you come to Christ will be behind you because He wants to unleash purpose, destiny, the birth and conception of dreams and visions, fruitfulness, You will find that you will come into your true purpose, your true DNA. I reckon Ruth was in that marriage and said, you know what? The other marriage was good. He was a good man. But what God has done in this covenant marriage, it exceeds my wildest dreams. The fruitfulness, the goodness of God the fulfilment, the kindness, the care. He's doing for me what a husband should do. He's looking after me, nurturing me, providing a safe space for me to birth my dreams, my visions. He is corralling me, not in a controlled way, but in a way that releases destiny at the right time, in a way that blesses me. You know, the master stroke of this story, and it is a beautiful story. I've read many great novels and great short stories, but this is, as, as Proverbs 31 would say, it surpasses them all. It's a literary masterpiece, actually, if you look at the way that the beginning and the end are so coherent and, and it is masterful. Because the masterstroke of this story is actually that the bitter is made sweet because it's interesting in terms of a character study. Ruth and Boaz now take a back seat. Now, I'd be normally like, you know, shouldn't they be the... They're like the hero and the heroine, right? But no, Naomi. Naomi, because in this case, we're called to identify with Naomi. You're you're Naomi right now because she says at the beginning... My life is bitter. Don't call me Naomi, which means sweet, anymore. I'm Mara. You know, because every time I hear the name Naomi, it is a torment. It's like, God, you promised it would be good and this is just a lie. And every time I hear that, it's just torment. Well, in this beautiful turn of events, for Ruth 4.6, it says, Then Naomi took the child in her arms, little Obed, gorgeous little child, prettier than I thought he would be, cute little thing. Do you remember when your first child was born? I, I remember the magical moment when Oliver was born. And it was like, I remember sitting in the hospital room when we bet, went back to the room at St. George Private. Andrew is asleep on the couch. Ollie's in the little crib. And I'm like, I need to pitch myself, God. The turning of fortune, so to speak. Not that I believe in fortune, but you know, like the turnaround. God, what is this moment I am in as a 37-year-old woman? What is this moment I'm in? Well, Ruth is having one of these moments, holding this child in her arms. Remember, she says to Ruth, I'm too old to have another baby boy for you and provide another husband. You know, she's dramatic. But look at this, she's holding a baby. The women living there said... Naomi has a son. Hang on. He's a grandson. He's not a a son. No. He's her son. He has become her family line directly. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And out of David would come the Messiah. She goes from emptiness to fullness. She goes from cursed in Moab to covenant back home. She goes from bitter, for she declares herself bitter, to I am now Naomi and God has made my life sweet again. You know, the final word of this book is David. Underscore it. Because God is wanting to say to you, it may begin bitter It may begin with death, it may begin with the loss of hope, it may begin with these horrible fates, so to speak, but it will end with the lineage of a King. It will end with the lineage of a Saviour. It will end with the restoration. Boaz has restored her life, nourished her in old age, covered her in old age and ultimately She is in the lineage of an ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. You know, I reckon this book was written, if it had one purpose, and it has many, if it had one to boil it down to one concise statement, I would say, God wants you to know that even in your darkest days, He is at work. You may have had your darkest days. You may be in an hour of darkness. You may be in a dark night of the soul. But he is working the night shift for you. God is working in your darkest hour, and God has a new beginning for you, an ultimate new beginning, better than you could ever expect. It's gonna be better. You thought one thing, you had one set of hopes, but God is saying, My thoughts are not your thoughts, my plans are not your plans. In fact, they're so much better, your finite human mind cannot even comprehend the intricacies of my ultimate plan he will make all things new you know i love the bible because it's so internally coherent and in ruth as you read revelation you hear echoes have a listen to this revelation 21:4 then i saw a new heaven and a new earth thank god for new things for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and thank god because it's troubled And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. There's a wedding coming. You're part of it. You're part of the bride. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And He dwelt with them. And they will be His people And God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more that He tasted it. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. You know, Ruth said to Naomi at the beginning, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Well, God just wants to trump that altogether and He says, I will be. They will be my people. I will be their God. It's gone from third person to first person. It is a transition. It is from one state to a better state. It is one taste of good and grace to the ultimate taste of good and grace. It is not mediated through a person. There is coming a day where there will be a wedding. And I pray that you are at the wedding because God is preparing a bride for Himself. He wants to redeem you. He loves you so much. He's a Boaz. He loves you. He's reaching you. He's wooing you. Will you love me? Will you lay at my feet? Because I want you to be part of my feast. I want you to be at my table. God is not willing, it says, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that all should know Him as His bride. He's always at work. He's, he loved you before you even knew He existed. He loved you. He was wooing you, putting those people in your life putting those Bible stories across your path, putting that movie that you watched and thought, hmm, maybe there's a greater thing at work. He's always at work. He's a great rewarder and a restorer. What began with famine and death begins with wedding and a birth. And that is the story of humanity. This morning, I'd love every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here today because a friend loved you enough to bring you. Maybe you watched us online and you're like, there's something in this. Maybe you used to come and you've come back and there is great joy in this room today. There is not judgment, there is not rejection, there is embrace and joy for you. There's a stirring in the Spirit, because you're here. And this morning we're gonna pray a prayer. And Ruth laid at the feet of Boaz. And she laid there, she made the jump. And it was a risk, but it was on the basis of a drawing and God has been drawing you. Your heart has been softened to Him. A friend's been sharing with you all through the morning. You've sensed His presence in worship as the Word's been read. Would you come to Him today? She didn't have all the answers. She just trusted He'd know what to do with me. Maybe today with one prayer, you need to lay at the feet of Jesus. He will know exactly what to do with you if you would just come to His feet. We're going to pray a prayer saying yes to that. I give my life to You, Jesus. If you've never prayed that, you can pray that today. And He will come on the basis of that prayer into your heart and you will become His. Let's pray. Let's pray confidently, Church. Dear Lord Jesus, we lay at Your feet today and say, cover me, wash me clean, make me new. I am Yours every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today and you need to come back to Him or maybe to Him for the first time and you prayed that prayer, meant it from your heart. In a moment, I'm going to get you to raise your hands super quick so I can see it because I want to pray a prayer of blessing. I'm not going to embarrass you. It's just me and a trusted one or two leaders that will see. But I do want to know who I'm praying a prayer of blessing over today If you said yes to Him for the first time, or you're coming back to Him after a long time, on the count of three, would you raise your hand? One, two, He loves you. Three, thank you, I see that hand. Is there anybody else that needs to come back to Jesus today? You wanna be covered by Him. You want your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You wanna be at that great wedding. You love Him, you want Him to love you. Why don't you slip your hand up today and join that person? Is there anybody else today before I pray, thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Okay, I'm gonna do what I promised I'd do. God, I just thank You that it is better than she expects, God, that You are at work, Lord God, in every dimension of her life, even before she thought to ask You. Thank You, God, that You are taking care of it and she can be assured in Jesus' Name, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.